This morning we are in chapter 17 of the book of 1 Samuel. If you're following along in one of the black Bibles there in your seats, this is on page 239. This morning we're actually uh, going to be going through one of uh, the most familiar stories in all of, uh, of Scripture. David and Goliath. Um, uh, hopefully uh, our, our familiarity with it uh, will not be a stumbling block to our, our understanding and grasping what God has for us here as His people. Uh, it's important for us uh, to, to remember and know, uh, uh, unlike uh, most of, uh, of the world, we do not view this as just literature or fiction. I studied this story in 10th grade in Miss Brunson's English class at Olympic High School in Charlotte. I don't know what Miss Brunson's perspective on it was, but I'll tell you what our perspective on it is here this morning and what the Scriptures hold. That this is the Word of God given as a sure and true revelation. We saw two weeks ago that Jesus says that all of the Old Testament Scriptures point to Him. If we are going to understand and apply this to our lives, we must see and recognize how does it show us Christ? How does it glorify Him? Our need for the coming and true King that God has appointed and chosen as deliverer for His people. So, if you would, look with me in chapter 17 of the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to go through the whole, uh, the whole narrative here together. Um, so, if you would, uh, follow along with me as we hear from the Word of God. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Succah, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Succah and Azekah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Allah, and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, 
And the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David said that David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an afar of this parched grain and these ten loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well, and bring some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Allah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions and went, as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with him, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you've come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you're but a youth. And he's been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, Yahweh, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and Yahweh be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put on a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. 
And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I've not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of Yahweh of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled, or whom you have defied. This day Yahweh will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that Yahweh saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is Yahweh's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him with it and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sha'arim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I, I do not know. And the king said, Inquire of whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from the striking down of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your living and active word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray that it would go deep, deep into our hearts, that you would convict us, that you would comfort us, that you would heal us, that you would transform us to be like Christ. For your glory we pray. Amen. In 1977, the rock band Queen released the song, We Are the Champions. And Freddie Mercury, the writer of this 
song uh, was uh, was asked, "Who are the champions? Who are the ones that are champions? Is it the band Queen? Is there singing it that we're to think are the champions?" And Freddie Mercury's, "No. My intention was as I was writing this." that whoever is singing along with the song would understand themselves to be the champions. They're not the losers, they're the winners, they're the champions of the world. It's important if we're going to understand and apply Freddie Mercury's song properly and rightly, that we understand the original intention of the author, who we're to identify with. According to Freddie Mercury, we're to identify ourselves as being the champions. What about this chapter in 1 Samuel? Many times when it's approached, it's seen as a battle of David against Goliath. And we're to view ourselves and read ourselves and identify ourselves in the story as the champion and be a champion like David. Actually, if we understand the author correctly and we interpreted it like that, then we would be completely wrong. We aren't the champions. In fact, the point of this passage begins with showing how much we need a champion. Far from being the champions, we need one. Did you notice that here in the, in the passage? R- remember back how it started in, in verse 1 of telling about the enemy of the people of God who had come up, the Philistines. And Goliath, the champion of the Philistines, the one, that, that term champion means the one who, who, who went before or went in between the two armies. He comes out and he's calling for Israel to send out their champion, one who will fight him. As it goes between the battle of these two champions, whoever comes out victorious, their army will win and be victorious. The story starts off with this tension, this call, this search for a champion. Israel needs one. Goliath is demanding one. If they are to be delivered and saved, one must show himself. But notice, notice what we, we see in verse 11. Goliath has issued his His challenge. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They, everyone, everyone is struck with fear throughout the people of Israel who are there. This this king, that the, the people chose to be their champion. Remember? As they saw, they looked upon Saul, they say, we want him to be our king so he will go out and fight our battles for us. But their champion is afraid. He's, he's not going to go forward and fight for them. That's, that's clear as we continue to go through the story. Remember when David comes up and the, the people of Israel, the, the, their, their attention is focused on, on Goliath and they say, have you seen this guy? But have you heard what the king's promised? Look over in verse 25. Have you seen this man who has come up? 
Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And it actually keeps, uh, keeps on going. It reiterates this emphasis that Saul is offering reward and riches for the person in Israel who will go out and fight and battle uh, the, the Philistine. It, it says it again. The people answered him in the same way. And then it goes on down in verse 30 uh, and, and reiterates it again. He spoke in the same way and the people answered him again as before. What, what the author is trying to drive home is... Saul has no intention whatsoever of going out and battling and fighting the Goliath. He's going to stay in his tent. In fact, later, remember, as David finally volunteers to go forth, Saul's like, oh, you can take my sword and my armor. Well, why? Well, because I don't have any need of it. I'm not going out there. They need a champion the one that they have chosen for themselves has proven himself to be insufficient. Picture it like this. Imagine you're, you're, you're looking out on, on a field. And in the field is a, is a shepherd and all of his sheep. And as the shepherd is, is there amongst his sheep, a wolf comes up over the crest of the hill and is coming down seeking a sheep to devour. The shepherd, his task, his role, he's there to protect, to defend, to guard the sheep. But instead, the shepherd is afraid. And so what the shepherd does is he starts using his hook and he starts pulling sheep over and pushing them out in front of him and saying, you go deal with the wolf. No, you go deal with the wolf. He's so afraid. He's putting their lives down for his own. He's not going to battle. He's not going to fight. It's not the sheep's role. It's the shepherd's role to defend and fight. And that's what we see Saul doing here. Refusing to take on his role. The people need a champion. Well, maybe, maybe somebody within the people will stand up and battle and fight and become one of these champions. Maybe they'll take it on himself. Maybe they'll take Saul up on his offer. But look in verse 24. Uh, That's not really going to happen, is it? All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him. And they were very much afraid. And they said, have you seen the man who has come up? Remember when we saw before, when Saul refused to fight, who stood up before the people? It was Jonathan. Maybe Jonathan's not here. Maybe Jonathan's afraid. And he's not going forth either. But the point is, is there's nobody among the people who will move forward and go and fight. They've evaluated this Philistine. They are looking and evaluating him based on his stature and his height and his power. He's over nine and a half feet tall. The end of his spear weighs 15 pounds. 
His coat of mail, his armor that he's wearing, weighs 125 pounds. The Israelites are, 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 are poorly equipped with any kind of weapons. Remember before when they were battling the Philistines, it made it clear that the only two people in the army who had a sword were Jonathan and Saul. Maybe they captured some when they uh, defeated the Philistines in a battle before this. But even if they did, what's a person who's not used to operating and wielding a sword going to do before a giant of a man like this? The people need a champion. We need a champion. But do we? Do we? Any nine feet tall giants yelling at you? Standing out in your front yard? Across the street here? When's the last time you encountered someone like Goliath and were like, Woo! You're right. I do. I do need a champion. See, Paul, one of Jesus' authorized spokespersons, one who was an enemy of Christ, who encountered the risen Lord and was changed, he writes this about our enemies. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, he says in Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We have different sort of enemies. Satan, who is a lion, prowling around, seeking to devour the people of God. Sin is our enemy, as we've even just confessed before. It's due to our sin and our rebellion that we are cut off from our God. Death the ultimate enemy of us all. Who of us among all of humanity is able to deal with those three enemies? The evil one, our own sin, death. Can you conquer them? Can you defeat them? Look at the tools that you have, your ability, your strength, your might. You can't do it. None of us can. We need a champion. And God has provided that champion. See, that, that's what we need to understand. And that's actually what the passage points us to. Just recognizing that you need a champion, really, it's a start. But is there one? Have we been given a champion? In fact, the passage tells us, yes, we have not only does this passage tell us that we need a champion, but it points out and highlights that God indeed has given us a champion. Remember what we saw in the chapter just before this, in chapter 16, that God has rejected Saul as being king and he has chosen a king, provided a king for himself, David, the son of Jesse, 
the youngest son of this Bethlehemite. David is the chosen king, the chosen deliverer, the king of God's people. God's spirit is upon him and he is equipping David to carry out this task. There is a champion. And notice, as the, the author of 1 Samuel is writing it, the, the whole first part of the, of, of the, the book is, is highlighting and showing the problem. Showing how great Goliath is. Showing the fear of Saul. Showing the fear of, of, of the people. And then David pops in. In verse 12, notice in verse 11, when Saul and all the Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, David, the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah, who named Jesse, who had eight sons, in the day of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years, and it goes on and tells about David. And then you see this pattern going down from verse 12 down to about verse 23, where it alternates and it goes back and forth. The fear and the struggle of the people who are in need of a champion who have no, do not have one, and then it pops back over and it gives us a, a, a scene and a Flipping over to, for us to, to look and examine and see David, the chosen king, who's coming. And slowly he makes his way as, David, as his dad sends him to care for and send food to his brothers. David and is there and we see the people of Israel going out to battle Goliath. And then it tells us this in verse 20, at the end of verse 23. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. Now, now the promised one, the anointed one, the chosen king of God's people has heard this enemy making his demands. What will he do? What will this one that God has appointed do? Notice what David says in verse 32. He goes to Saul and he says, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David says, I'll go and do it. I will go and be the champion for Israel. The man between the two armies who will go and battle Goliath. Because you know, Saul, this is a lot like shepherding. I'm a shepherd and I know a little bit about it. And I know that, that in the past, when, when lions and bears have come and tried to attack my, my flock, well, I, I did what a shepherd does, Saul. I went out and I attacked the enemy and I killed him because God equipped and He provided and He enabled me to defeat the enemies of my flock. And I was victorious. So now I'm just going to do what shepherds do. And I'm going to go out and fight and battle this Philistine. That's what he says in verse 37, 36. Your servant struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he's defied the armies of the living God. And David said, Yahweh, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And he goes, and what is the result? David goes and he fights 
although he just has his sling and a few stones, he comes out victorious. And do you see, do you see and notice what the, the result was? David, the champion of God's people, goes out and fights on behalf of God's people. What do God's people do in this scenario? Nothing. They watch and look at the champion battling on their behalf. But what is the benefit that they receive? Victory. Deliverance. Even look down in verse 53. The people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. They even get to participate and experience in receiving the benefits of the spoils of this great victory that another has secured and fought and battled on their behalf. You see here, Israel, they needed. They needed David to step forward, to be their champion, to win, to live. You see, if, if David were to die in this encounter, what would it mean for Israel? Well, they would lose, right? As it goes for the deliverer, the champion, the redeemer, so it goes for those that he represents. And they would have become slaves and servants. Remember, we've seen that the, the, all of the Old Testament is pointing us forward to Jesus who would come, who would suffer, who would die, who would rise again for and on behalf of His people. Jesus is the ultimate champion, the deliverer, the one that God has provided. Look at what Jesus says over in John 10. If you want to flip over there. Jesus knew a little bit about shepherds as well. Look in John 10, beginning in verse 11. This is on page 896, so you're following along in one of those black Bibles. Remember, as David is thinking about his battle before the Philistine, how is he characterizing it? This is just like shepherding, defending and protecting the flock. That's ultimately what the king was. This is what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Notice how Jesus the true shepherd, the true champion, the true king. What does he do for his people? He also is willing to lay down his life, to put himself in the, the face of the enemy that his people are facing. But unlike David, what happens? 
He does. The true champion, the true king, the one all the Old Testament is pointing forward to, he does. Remember, a dead David accomplishes nothing. They need a living champion to redeem and defeat their enemies. But Jesus, the one God has provided, he does. But this is the crazy thing. It's actually his death that brings about the victory and the deliverance for his people. He suffered and died for them, but he didn't stay dead. Do you notice? Remember what he says? I lay down my life and I raise it up to bring ultimate victory and deliverance. You see, Jesus is defeating the evil one. He's defeating our sin and he has conquered and defeated death. Jesus is even greater than David. As the apostles will say later in Acts, where do you see in David now? He's not here. He's in the grave. His bones have rotted and decayed. David died. He could not defeat death. David needed a champion. He was looking forward to this champion. And we need to see and recognize that God has provided a champion for us. As it goes for our champions, so it will go for us. Jesus died in our place. Jesus rose for us. Our sin has been dealt with. The evil one has been defeated and conquered. We are set free and we have new life in Christ because God has provided us a champion. We need a champion. God has given us a champion. All right. Now what? Well, we'll see how David applies it for us. The big application of this passage is, then let us trust in God and His champion. In some ways, maybe we, we read this story and we may think that really what it's about is it's about David versus Goliath. Or it's about the Philistines versus the Israelites. But there's... A, there's a, a bigger battle that's going on here. In fact, on first reading, it may seem like that's the point of this story. Uh, it talks a lot about defying. Remember hearing that a lot? Goliath was defying the armies of Israel. It, it shows up in verse 10 where he says this, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. It happens again in verse 25 where the same language comes up. Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And then again in verse 26, David said to the men who stood by, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Reproach is the same, uh, same root word. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And then in verse 45, this is what David says. David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a javelin and with a spear, but I have come to you in the name of Yahweh of hosts, the God of the army of, of Israel, whom you have defied. David, as he sees the, the, the taunts and the defying that, that, that Goliath is doing, David's interpretation and evaluation of it is ultimately who is being defied is God himself. God himself. 
the God of Israel. This is not a battle mainly between human David and human Goliath, but God's honor is at stake. In fact, notice in verse 53, the, the taunt that, uh, not 53, sorry, in verse uh, 43, Goliath is thinking the same thing. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. This is ultimately a battle against the God of Israel and the gods of the Philistines. Who is the most powerful one? Who is the sufficient one? Who will deliver and save and redeem? In fact, David is the one who lets us know the proper application that we should take away from his victory that he is assured he will accomplish. It isn't, look at David, look how great he was, look at how powerful and mighty he was. What does David say in verse 45? You come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the, uh, the host of Israel, the, uh, the Lord, Yahweh of hosts, the, armies of, uh, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day Yahweh will deliver me into your hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And notice this is what David says we're to take away. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And, in verse 47, that all this assembly, meaning the people of Israel, may know that Yahweh saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is Yahweh's, and He will give you into our hand. So David is saying the main point is, you look and you see this victory, and it should point and proclaim to the nations that God is the one true and living God. And it should remind and draw the hearts of the people to recognize and know and see that Yahweh saves. We should come away from this knowing that God saves Hoping, resting, and trusting on God and His provision. The champion He has given for us. It's interesting. Uh, Yahweh saves. There's a guy in the Old Testament. His name is, uh, was given, uh, that was derived from that phrase. His name in English is Joshua. In Hebrew, it's, uh, it's more pronounced Yeshua. In the New Testament, it's interesting. A son of David is going to be going to be born. Look over in in Matthew chapter one. Beginning in verse twenty. But as he considered these things, this is Joseph. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. You will call him Jesus because Yahweh saves We need to know that Yahweh saves. We don't just need to know that fact and that truth. We need to know Jesus, don't we? Jesus, the way that God saves. We're going to 
over in Luke, as Luke tells us about this Jesus who was coming, he says this, He will be great and He will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give to Him the throne of His father David and He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of His kingdom there will be no end. How sufficient is this champion that God has given us? But, but unlike David who is a man that God was working through, uh, Jesus is different. Jesus is the man that God has chosen, but Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is described and told of us, even in Matthew as it continues to go on, the angel says, and it was the fulfillment of prophecy that is Emmanuel, God with us. How does God save? Who is His chosen one? We need to trust in God and His Chosen One, the person and work of Jesus of Nazareth, the champion for us, God's people. We need to learn and see all that David was pointing to, all that the author of 1 Samuel is telling us from this passage, is that we need a champion. And God has provided us with a champion, Jesus. May we trust in Him. May we rest in Him. May we hope only in Him because He is our sufficient Deliverer. And of His kingdom, there will be no end. Let's pray. Father, we thank You uh, for the Scriptures. We thank You for the hope of the Gospel that we find uh, throughout all of Your Word. Uh, We pray that You would Uh, direct our hearts to Christ, that we would always and only hope in Him. May we know that You save and that You save through Christ. In His name we pray. Amen.